What is up, everybody, and welcome to the All NBA Show, part of the All City Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler. Legs, worst night in the association last night. Five games on the docket. One of them was fake good. The other four were terrible. Um, kind of a funny one. The first day we've had one of these with no great games. I... I mean, I can honestly say I, I look forward to these nights, Adam, when there's only like, you know, a handful of games. It just makes it easier to focus yeah. in on a couple and, you know, really dive in and watch them and get my notes out and ready to go. And I didn't need any of that last night. I was looking forward <laughs> to Celtics Bucks, obviously. Uh, yeah. That was a, a big one. Knicks Mavericks, you know, ended up being pretty close. The Knicks made, made an incredible run on them in the fourth quarter and they could got a defensive rebound. They might have won the game. Um, and then, of course, Suns-Lakers. I had three games that I was really looking forward to, and the only one that gave me a little bit of interest was the basically the fourth quarter of the yeah. Mavs-Knicks game when the yeah. Knicks made that improbable run. It was amazing. I was even still watching the game because yeah. it looked like Dallas had that game easily won uh, before the Knicks came back. But the other two, my goodness, I couldn't believe what I was watching in the Celtics box. I mean, to get that out of control that fast for the top two teams in the Eastern Conference really was amazing. The Suns-Lakers game was over at halftime. The Thunder-Blazers game was over at the first quarter. Bucks-Celtics first quarter. Cavs-Nets at halftime. And the Knicks one, as I said, was fake good. That game was also over at half. And then they made the run to make it seem like maybe it wasn't over. But it was over. Um, but no, you know what? Legs and I, true professionals, true sickos, true lovers of the game of basketball. And we're going to give you a great show anyway, even though the NBA didn't necessarily give us something great. We're going to talk about the Mavericks, who I'm starting to believe in a little bit more. I... I saw a lot of the narratives about the Mavs early in the year, and I just wasn't on board with it. Now I watch them and I go, I don't know. They're kind of good. They're kind of interesting. I'm curious if you feel the same way. We're also going to talk about the Lakers and like, where is the point of no return with them to where you just think they don't have it in them. And we're going to talk about the happiest and saddest teams in the NBA. I look forward to that conversation because I think there's a lot of sort of layers to that conversation to be had. But first, we're presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, Legs, we're going to just run through these games. The Cavs beat the Nets 111-102. to That sounds kind of close. It wasn't. This game was a double-digit, I think it was a 20-point game at, at half. So this was not a close game. The Nets rally back in the fourth during garbage time. Donovan Mitchell went for 45 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. But here's what's interesting to me. The Cavs have kind of looked good lately. Mobley goes down. There was a destabilization period for them. But they've kind of found a footing now with the one, you know, Jared Allen at center, a little bit more spacing. Is there something to this Cavs upswing that we're seeing? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think this was a team that certainly was disappointing to start the year. Um, and they had some injuries you know, early on dealing, missing Garland. Uh, Levert was out for a while. Mitchell missed a little bit of time. So, I mean, they had some injuries, but they still just, you know, based on last year, you kind of expected they added Max Struess. You think, you know, you come into the season, you're expecting them to be right there in the mix in that top four in the East. They weren't really there, but now here they are steadily climbing. And one of the reasons we liked them so much a year ago is because their defense was so good. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, can sustain you uh, a little bit when you're trying to figure out what your offensive lineup is going to be. And that's what they did again last night. You know, it's crazy because you hold any team now to 102 points. It's it's literally like you're holding them <laughs> right. to 60, it feels like, right? I mean, because usually these teams are getting 120 pretty easily. So they did it to the Nets last night. Mitchell was sensational offensively, basically carrying them. And, yeah, I do think the Cavaliers have become more interesting now. There's somebody that you need to watch in the East. They're going to they're gonna be in the mix there, and they've got the nice combination of elite-level guard play, and they've got bigs. So they've got a little bit of everything. When you one of the days you were off, uh, you know, a couple weeks back, I had on an NBA trainer named Mark Campbell, and his bold take, and I thought it was really bold, was he thought that Mobley and Allen together was not good. It, you know, there's a low ceiling to what you could do there, but if you let Mobley play center, the guy was going to break out. He thought he was one of the best players in his age bracket in the entire NBA, and he was a hidden gem because they didn't put him there. It's a little ironic that Mobley went down and all of a sudden Jared Allen looks like that. I mean, he's not necessarily a young player anymore, but he looks like a star in his role type player who can be, uh, you know, a major impact piece. And I'm just wondering if 
are they trying to, and have they maybe ruined this era, the Donovan Mitchell era, which we worry might be coming to an end, have they ruined it with this too big thing? And do you think the Cavs just need to kind of pick a lane with one of their bigs and and build around it? Yeah, most likely they do, because I think what a lot of people were expecting was Evan Mobley to be able to expand his game to be more of a perimeter-oriented player. He hasn't really done that. I mean, he's, he's good mid-range and in, but because you've got two bigs sort of occupying a lot of same places on the floor and, you know, teams just don't play that way anymore. It's number one, it's, it's, you know, it's, it just makes it a little bit more clogged and congested. So it will be interesting to see if they decide to play more one big lineups at a time, but I just don't know, you know, when, when Evan Mobley's back and healthy, are you going to really ask, you know, one of those two guys to come off the bench? I don't think you are. Maybe, you know, you start the game that way and then you quickly get into staggering their minutes a little bit more. I just think that that is more conducive to what modern NBA looks like offensively. It's, it's just very difficult um, because Mobley's not a guy that's just going to, you know, camp out and knock down, catch right. and shoot threes. Like if he were, if he were that kind of player, um, you know, if he had like a Kevin Love type of offensive game, I think it'd be a little bit easier to fit in there, but it's, it's, he's not really expanded it to that point. By the way, we haven't talked about Kevin Love, and it's not really pertinent to the last night's slate, but he has really had a, a a great run here, and we probably should get to him before too long because he's a guy that you kind of felt was just going to be a bit piece and maybe out the league you know, on the tail end of his career, but he's a key piece to what Miami does. Do you have like a quick note on Kevin Love? I know it's kind of random. I'm throwing yeah. to you this out of left field, but I've been thinking no. about him. He's playing great, man. It's funny you said that because the other night I was watching Kevin Love and he, he was really playing well. And in in the minutes he was on the court, he was really impacting the game. He has a rebound. He's always been an elite level defensive rebounder. He was getting rebounds though. And he was, he was moving well offensively. Like he up faked guy yep. flies by drives in shoots a running like one footer in the lane. And I'm just going, man, yeah. Kevin Love looks really comfortable. He's just such a great, a great guy to have on your team because he's always ready, always prepared. Um, and then on, on those certain nights, he could still give you some offensive punch. I'm, it's funny you said that. Cause I just made a mental note of that myself the other night and mm -hmm. watching him. Uh, and you think about how long he's been around and he's dealt with some injuries and his back's been yep. bad. And yet here he is, he's still out there on a really good team. And he's, and he's, uh, producing for them you keep trying to think about why are the miami heat so good and I, it's no one answer but i think it's a lot of little things and he's one of them he's one of the in my opinion one of the main reasons you wouldn't think it but but he's making a big impact the nets are the opposite by the way the nets have been uh, of the Cavs going back to that game i think they are three and 11 in their last 14 games they were 13 and 11 legs and we were talking about hey you know they've been off to a good start are they going to be a sneaky team they've completely fallen off and, you know, I'm not really sure what to make of uh, of them. They lost to the Blazers the other day just to show you how bad things have gotten. Are, are they – what do you see from them? Is there, Are they done? Are they just regressing to what they should have been all year? Yeah, I think I think maybe we had uh, unrealistic expectations because of the way they finished last year. You know, I think they won 45 games last year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, so, you know, you think coming into this year and, – and Bridges really – his game exploded offensively after he got to yeah. Brooklyn and he showed that he's a lot more – than just a three and D guy. He started doing a lot more off the dribble. He is their best offensive player. And I think I, you and I said this a few weeks ago, like if that's the case and we both love bridges. And if you see bridges on a team and he's like your third best player, you probably have a chance to win the whole thing. But if he's your best player, what are you? And I, I think right now that's what you're looking at with the Nets. six games under 500. They're just not really a threat to anybody in the East. And I think we expected them to be more, uh, in the mix based on the way they finished a year ago. But I think they've kind of topped out offensively with what they are. And now they're they're probably reevaluating everything with, internally with what that roster looks like and, and what yeah. they're going to look like going forward. Do you – this is the last one on this game. I can't believe I'm giving you this many questions on a terrible game. But the game was played in Paris. As a player, forget the, the part about the league expanding and marketing to Europe and all this different stuff. Just as a player, do you like this, you know, sending guys – uh, to Europe in the middle of the season. What, what no. do you make of this? Not at all. As a player, I don't. I understand why the league does it, so I'm not criticizing the league. I mean, they have different – sometimes they're – you know, all of the goals don't align with, with what you want as a player right. and what the league needs to do for um, for self-promotion and right and some of the things that they're trying to build alliances. But as a from a player's perspective, no, it's terrible. I remember w when I was in Washington, we went down to Mexico City and played – um, a couple of games and it was just, and that wasn't even, you know, quite the extent of, of going to Europe. Yeah. But right. It's still just everything about it 
felt odd and off and different. And you, you kind of cramming it in there in the middle of the season. It just didn't didn't really seem necessary. So, no, I'm not a big proponent of it. I, I don't know necessarily that any of the players really are because um, it's not like you're, you know, hey, if you're if you're a young guy and you've never been to Europe, you're saying, hey, that's pretty cool. We're going to go to Paris and play a game. But it's like you're going there to work, and there's, there's you know, certain restrictions on your time and what you're going to be doing. It's not like you're going and learning a whole lot culturally or anything like that to, like, broaden your horizons. You're going over there to play a basketball game, and everything is different, right. um, you know, about what you're doing. And guys are just, just players are just so routine yeah. oriented, and it just mm. throws you out of that. So I, I don't think most players are probably a big fan of that. We'll move on to the uh, next game, which was supposed to be the marquee game. I mean, on paper, Celtics, Bucks, you only get that a handful times a year. You're excited as a measuring stick. But this game was a complete and total laugher. I mean, 41 to 23 at the end of the first quarter, 34 to 15 in the second quarter. This was ridiculous game legs. There was no competitiveness to it. Um, you know what I'm going to say? This is the second night of a back-to-back -back for Boston. They had an overtime game against Minnesota. But actually, my take's a little surprising maybe for you. All the right. Celtics beat Minnesota, and you and I and most other analysts talked about what a big win it was. And Boston, they looked great and executed down the stretch. But Minnesota was on a back-to-back, -back, flying in from Orlando and and – you know, they were in that situation. So part of me says, I hate that this game happened on the second night of a back-to-back -back and Boston was not competitive. They were blown out. But we just gave them credit for beating a team in a similar situation the night before. So um, I'm, I don't know what note you have for this game other than Boston looked completely outclassed and it was such a shame. It's well, first of all, look, I, I, let me to be addressed the back to back thing. And the, we, have, we have a lot of fun with this. You know my feelings on it. Yeah. Um, and and it, you're going to get this from every player from my era. We all feel the same way. And it's this it's yes, you're tired. You're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're more tired. But the, but the point is that I feel like now it's like this built in excuse to come out and lay down and be flat and not compete. It's, and it's this built in thing. And I just don't know where we got to the mindset that back to back games today are more difficult to play than they were in my era. I don't understand where that comes from because think about this. I didn't even have charter flights, Adam, until halfway through my career. So what were you doing? Like, what, what, what were you guys early, playing? Early in my – we were flying commercial. I was playing for the Utah Jazz, and we're at gate A32 with everybody else, you know, sitting there looking at a Cinnabon and, uh, you know, like – like and people coming up and asking for Stockton and Malone's autograph while we're sitting at the gate, ready to board the plane, and so, there was only so like hold up, hold up, legs. Are you in like seat thirty-two A, and you know there's somebody random person in seat B? Is it like this? Well, well, I will say, well, we so we we're flying commercial, but basically what would happen? They booked these so far out in advance that they would have the whole first class. So depending on your status on the team and where <laughs> right. how many years you've been yeah. in league, like whatever. You, you, you know, you were going to be I, – I, I was ended up in first-class seats because that wasn't my first year in the league, but there were some rookies on the team that year. No, they're walking back, and they're sitting down who knows where with who back in the you know the back part of the plane. Um, so what you had to do after you played a game and you had a game the next night in a different city, right, you had to sleep over after the game, and then it was mandated by the league. You had to take the first flight out in Ooh. case you had some sort of issue with right. travel, right? You you had to be able to catch a later flight in case your flight got canceled or whatever. So, you know, you're playing, you get back to the hotel, you get a bite to eat. By the time you're kind of restless and amped, you get to bed, it's late. You're, you know, you're getting up, go to the airport at six, six o'clock in the morning. You're going to the airport to fly to the next city and then hoping you can, you know, catch a few hours nap once you get there, but then playing that night. And, and, you know, so everything, every aspect of the NBA for players is more conducive to your body being fresher from charter flights, to every you know massage therapist acupuncturist like nutritionist like everything yeah. that you have access to it makes it easier for you to recover and yet i feel like it's more of an excuse than it's ever been yeah. to play yeah. two games in a row and and that's that's why i i, I kind of rail on it ran on it we have fun with it but it really does blow my mind yes man i remember playing games as a player and back then we played four and five nights a lot and which is incredible. Like, but I remember being in layup lines, man, on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, and your quads are kind of burning, and you right. don't have that juice. You gotta find it through your adrenaline, man, and you gotta fight through it. And yeah, hey, maybe sometimes we got our we got our butts kicked in that situation, but we didn't talk about that after the game. 
Well, why did you guys right. lose by 24? Well, we played last night. Didn't you guys see that? It's like it was just part of the deal. And then, look, you won a lot of games on the second night back-to-back, too. And I just feel like now it's this mind-blowing thing. They're playing two nights in a row. How are they going to ever compete? It's crazy to me. And so, look, that was a flat, dead team last night. It clearly affected them. I mean, this is a marquee game, two two best teams in the Eastern Conference. You, you, know, you circle it. Number one, I'm disappointed like you that the league would have this as the second night of a back-to-back when yeah. it is such like a built-in thing now for guys mentally. Um why you would do that in such an important game. And this game was 59 to 27, five minutes into the second quarter. Like I'm sitting there watching it thinking I'm going to be talking about the game today. And quickly you realize, well, I guess I'm not talking about this game other than the topic we're talking about right now. Certainly nothing detail oriented about the game itself. If you think about just to kind of put a punctuation on the back-to-back point, Let's say that back-to-backs give you like a five-point advantage. You know, you're you're a five-point underdog. If it, that might be too much, I probably it's probably two or three points if we're being honest. But let's say it's five. If a team was down five points in the first quarter, in the first minute of the first quarter, you wouldn't throw in the towel on the game and say, "Well, this game's hopeless. We're down five in the first quarter. It's over. Throw it in." And yet, that's how we trade back-to-backs. Oh, they're on a back-to-back. We should rest our guys. We don't have it. And, and so it is a mentality where it's like, yes, it matters in that it gives one team. Right. a little advantage but right. let's not overstate things man like this is competition you still go out there and you you try to close the gap on those margins and last night to your point 41 to 23 in the first quarter 434 to 15 what a joke i am trying Insane. to picture though legs uh i buy a i buy a ticket on a flight in 1990 1993 and i end up getting the middle row in between rick smith's you know, and somebody else like this is how it happened back in the day. What a draft. I'm telling you, man, hey, look, I, I remember to this day, I remember being in Dallas when it was it was unveiled to us that we were gonna get our own charter plane. And at that point, I don't know if every team in the league had them, but the majority of teams did. And we I remember going down to the uh to the airport and it was kind of like unveiled to us. This was going to be our plane, and what a huge deal wow. that was. You know, it was funny though, it was like even then, though, the charters weren't the same. I remember one time our plane yeah. broke down and we had to borrow the Miami Heat charter. And so the Miami Heat charter like picks us up. I don't know how that all worked out logistically, but that was the plane we ended up having to use. And I remember we all walked on the plane, we were like, wow, this is a lot nicer than our <laughs> charter plane. Like, you know, we had our own, our own plane yeah. too, but it was different levels that now. I'm guessing they're all pretty much uniformly incredible, but you know, yeah, man, that's what, that's what, you know, that's what you had to do back then. And the thing is like, plus it really matters for the guys that are playing 35 to 40 minutes that are high usage rate players. Like I understand fatigue in that situation. Right. And maybe you're going to be up, but that doesn't explain like the whole roster being bad. And like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. If you played 15 minutes last night, man, you shouldn't, you should not have any fatigue going into the game where you have leg burn. Yeah. The top guys, I get it. But again, it's just not even something that was talked about, but now it's talked about a lot, man. It's just automatically. That's where we go. If a team plays poorly on the second night of back-to-backs and it's, it's a shame because we were looking forward to that for it to be a barometer game to look at these two teams and it, you it got out. nothing yeah. out of last night. Um, speaking of shame, let's move on now to the Portland Trailblazers and the Hell, OKC Hell, Thunder. Hell. 139 to 77. 139 to 77. Just an absolute uh, butt whooping by the Thunder at home against the lowly Blazers who have been playing really poorly as of late. I mean, all year, but especially as of late. And Scoot Henderson in this game, a minus 56. That's the second worst ever for an individual, plus minus. Um, Legs, I mean, I just, we can be quick on this one. Do you have any thoughts on this this ridiculous score? Yeah, in the middle two quarters, the Oklahoma City Thunder outscored Portland 82 to 32. I mean, that's pretty much all I got on that. It's, it's, I, I don't know how you get to that point. I just don't know how it gets to 60-plus in a, in a professional game. I understand Oklahoma City is a much better team than Portland, but 70, first of all, 77 points. I mean, that's that's the lowest in the league this year, I believe. Um, I mean, and you know, that's mm. you know half of what you know teams have put up this year in a game. Right. Uh, it's just one of those deals. And, and Chauncey Billups said afterwards uh, it was a perfect storm against them. Uh, but, man – 
it's just kind of hard for me to really comprehend it getting out of hand to that extent and where, where you know even even getting up north of 40 and 50 points but to get north of 60 and now they have this uh unfortunately this asterisk now the portland trailblazers are the i read this last night the only franchise that has two 60 point losses on their you know resume historically not in the same year or anything but i'm just in their franchise history they're the only team that's lost two different games by 60 plus you know it's hard you know you're down bad when the math is hard like i'm looking at that score of 139.77 trying to figure out what the points was it's 62 but it's such a big number that it takes a little complex math to do oh yeah um yeah last two games are the more meaningful ones the suns dominated the lakers to the tune of 127-109 it was actually not that close the lakers outscored the suns by nine in the final frame to make it appear kind of like somewhat close but this was a butt whooping are you more impressed with what the phoenix suns did Bradley Beal went off, had 37 points, 8 of 10 from the three-point line. The big three kind of had a nice synergy going. Or are you more concerned with what you saw out of the Lakers and being completely non-competitive in this one? Uh, I, I would I would lean toward the Suns. They were they were sharp, man. They were they were sharp. They came out, got into a rhythm immediately. Durant didn't even have to do that much. He only took 12 nope. shots uh, because yep. Booker and Beal were so good. And th- like this is this is what you know you expect that they can be a lot of nights like so good offensively because of the versatility of those three players and then if you get other guys chipping in and just you know filling their role um whether it's rebounding defending or or, or spot up three-point shooting everybody did it seamlessly but it really was about Beal and Booker in this one yeah. and, and how difficult they can be to contain once they get going and um so I look the yeah, the Lakers they didn't have an answer defensively and they're they're you know, they're 19 to 20 man they're under 500 or almost halfway through the season um, this is a team that a lot of people you know, probably still think can contend just because they have LeBron James. You think, uh, let's not write them off. They just haven't been very good, man. They're, they're, they look defeated a lot of times. They don't look like they're in for the fight once they start having a hard time guarding teams. It just seems like it's, it's just something where they kind of drop their shoulders and realize that they're not going to be able to compete with them. And that's what it looked like to me. And Phoenix never let up. They took it right to them. They smelled that, and they just absolutely tried to end the game, basically in the third quarter, and they did. Well, I'm going to have a couple questions on both teams here. And my first one is kind of ridiculous. How good is Bradley Beal? Because I, you think of this as like, okay, you have Kevin Durant, Booker, and then Beal as the third guy. And at least in my mind, that's how I look at it. But last night, Bradley Beal looked like prime Devin Booker. I know it's just one game, but – his shot was just incredibly smooth. His movements were incredibly, you know, just just fluid. And he had like that in and out dribble or seven in and out dribbles at the same time, then stepped to the side and, and hit a jumper. To me, watching him last night, I wondered how often he would be the best player on the court when you have yeah. those three guys healthy. And I thought maybe three or four times all year. The fact that he already has been that, I think on two different occasions, to me is kind of impressive. So how, how good is Bradley Beal, in your opinion, as a player? You know what's crazy is he ends up next to Devin Booker, and I, I think I said three years ago when Bradley Beal was in Washington and, I said, and Booker was rolling and putting up big numbers, and I said this is Bradley Beal is the closest thing we have in this league to Devin Booker. They're so similar in the way that they can beat you, right? They're such good yeah. mid-range players, and they're so good um, creating space from deep to get their shot off, uh, and they're and they they're also guys that can really string shots together when when they make a couple early man you can ride that for five six minutes straight and they're just lethal so bradley beal is very close to what devin booker is and now you've got them both on the same team and and you've got kevin durant there as probably you know still their best all-around offensive player but now you've got three of them and look i want to see more and more and more of these three guys together and and you know let's get a real firm grip on how difficult this team is going to be to guard if those three guys find that rhythm together. Last night, all three of them were over 50% of the field. By you know, by far, Bradley Beal 14 for 21, Durant 7 for 12, Booker 11 for 22. You don't get more efficient than that. It's hard to work that out. They haven't had a lot of time together, but you saw a taste of it last night, man. And it can be, it can be a real problem for just about anybody in the West to figure out how to slow this down. And then the other question I have for them is, Bull Bull played 17 minutes. Six points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. Did a little bit of everything. Bull Bull, like it's hard to talk about him without it kind of being a joke, you know, kind of, oh my gosh, this goofy thing. But the Suns have actually been playing him real minutes over the last couple of weeks. I mean, actually sticking him out there, not just as a sideshow. Is 
that a real thing? Is that just like this is January and he's going to play some games? Or do you see a path where Bull Bull becomes like a, you know, a seventh, eighth guy? I don't think that you, you're going to see him in that role come po- uh, postseason. I think yeah. in the regular season, they're, they're going to continue to give him minutes and experiment with him, particularly nights they get comfortable and get a lead. You're going to see Bobo out there. I mean, he's fun to watch, man. He's, you know, you know, it's, it's just so unique to see a guy that that size that kind of plays like that. I remember first time I saw I saw eyes on him was in the AAU circuit. Um, they, his team was a year ahead of my team, and we were in the, both in the Under Armour circuit. And I remember our team would be getting ready to play, and there's all this commotion because Bol Bol was running into the gym, you know, or running out to get ready to start a game, and everybody would run over to the court to watch him play. And you're going, out, oh, it's Manute Bol's son. What's this going to look like? And he's playing like a guard. You know, he's handling the ball, coming up the floor. He's shooting pull-up jumpers. It was really wild. Right. He's a very talented guy, man. I, I think we'll get minutes in the regular season. I can't see them extending the rotation to that extent when you get to the playoffs. Right. I, I'm, I feel the exact same way. And he's kind of a mistake guy. In the playoffs, you're going to attack the mistake guys, and he's a mistake guy. But you know what? For now, he's making an impact and just giving them something weird, um, and it's working. Yeah. What, the, the game, though, of the night, if we can call it that, the Mavericks beat the Knicks 128-124. There was no Luka Doncic in this game, but there was a Kyrie Irving who has been playing out of his mind as of late. He goes for 44 points and 10 assists, a lot of that of the spectacular uh, type. This game is fate close in that the Knicks outscored the Mavs by 11 in the final frame and cut, cut it to where it actually did. There was a moment where you go, okay, maybe this happens. But outside of that, I was just impressed with the Dallas Mavericks. So do you have any notes on this game before you, I ask about the big question about the Mavericks? Yeah, the Mavericks Mavericks were really sharp and crisp in this game. They they kind of they kind of let it get away from them there in the fourth quarter. And the Knicks made a run. And it actually got to the point. I, I thought the Knicks were going to win the game. Um, and they got – I think the Mavericks got four shots on one possession down by one, four attempts, and they finally hit a three at the end of that possession to pretty much end the game. Um or the next, you know, they come down with the ball with a chance to win it, and Jalen Brunson's on your team. You got a good chance to win the game. Uh, I just thought your know, Kyrie is is was the story. Kyrie, how comfortable he looks, how unstoppable he looked offensively. Got a lot of help from Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and look, they look really sharp. And and Dallas, you know, they're, they're, we're going to get into them a little bit more here in a second and talk about what we really think their upside is and ceiling and how they're playing right now. But they, that was just a really super impressive offensive performance across the board. They, they, they did it every which way. They got their three-point shooting. They got their ISO game going. They moved it well. They shared it. Um, and they really controlled the game to a much greater extent than it would, the score would indicate. So on the Mavericks front, you know, there was a lot. Everybody, the narratives for every team come out in the first, I don't know, month of the season. And they're just kind of set in stone. Whatever happens, it can be kind of tough. But I watched them play, and I watched Kyrie play. And I'm just impressed by them. Now, Kyrie is Kyrie. He still kind of is the same type of player. And I'm not surprised that the Knicks made a run after he was so spectacular for most of this game. I'm still not surprised. But you add Luka to this mix, and they have been, you know, they haven't had like a consistent stretch here recently where they were both healthy and playing together, but they both played well independent of each other for a little bit here. I watch him and I go, I kind of buy what they're doing here. I mean, Luka is spectacular. We know how good he is. You just have to give a few of the right pieces around him. And I watch the level that Kyrie is at right now. He's making shots at an incredible clip. He is playing, <laughs> it's weird to say it because he's not playing within himself. He always plays kind of this wild this style, but more within himself than average, I would say, for his career. And then you just are getting contributions from a lot of guys. I think that there is something going here that they're not just the, oh, yeah, they're that third tier down here team. I think they are a team that could leap into a second tier, not a favorite but a tear that that team that's like hey you don't want to see them in the playoffs and they're capable of beating anyone on any given night so i'm just higher i think on dallas than most are do you see what i'm seeing with them or do you think we're still a little too early on that i i I see signs of it but i think we're gonna find out over the next few weeks because of who they're about to play when you look at you look at their last seven wins right you got the spurs really bad team uh phoenix that was not healthy in that game um, right. That's that's a solid win. Golden State, we know what a mess they've been. They they beat Golden totally. State back to back with Portland. We just talked about them. They had a sixty two point loss last night. Um, great win against Minnesota. That's a that's a great win against the Timberwolves. And then the Knicks, which is a good win. But that's yeah. not you know that's not Murderer's Road. That's not the twenty seven Yankees they just went through. Right? You got look at what they have coming up. We're going to know a lot more, particularly if Luca and Kyrie are out there together. Back to back with the Pelicans. 
You go to the Lakers, which they're a mess yeah. right now, but it's on the road at Golden That's State. You know, those are both the road games. Boston, Phoenix at home, Atlanta, Sacramento, yeah. Orlando, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Philly. I mean, you You're got right. you got a stretch coming up now That's that by month. the end of it, that'll take us up to basically right before All-Star Weekend. Yeah. We're going to know so much more about the Dallas Mavericks because, yeah, this are, these are good signs. Certainly winning like that against a good team that plays hard like the Knicks without Luka and Kyrie has that much success, that's a great sign. I want to see them, you know, like if they can go and, you know, win both of these games against the Pelicans, they're both at home Saturday and Monday. Um, if they can win both of those games against a red-hot New Orleans team, now you start to go, okay, wow, okay, Dallas is a problem. But I'm not quite ready to go there yet. Here, here's why I am buying them. You know, on speculation, they're not proven, but why I think they will be proven. Maxi Kleber, first of all, just got upgraded to doubtful. He's not, he has not been playing this year. He has that toe injury, but it looks like he is on the horizon from coming back. Maybe it happens this weekend. He gives them an interesting five-out option and just this floor-spacing yeah. option. But I think that they have found something in a rotation that involves, obviously, Kyrie and Luka. That's your star players. You've got Lively as a rim threat, who's been very good in that role, especially when you can give him spacing. You've got Exum, who's been a great secondary creator. You know, he's been making his threes lately, but more to the point, he can attack downhill. And then you have Derek Jones Jr., who can be this other role threat that you could play either at five, you could play him alongside Lively, or what I think is going to happen is you're going to play him alongside Kleber. And now you have a guy who can guard your bigger players in a small ball lineup yeah. in Kleber, but you're going to have Derek Jones as your pick and roll combo. And he's great at rolling to the rim as a threat. And he's great at making passes on the short roll. So you attack four on three downhill and he can do that. So I look at them and I go, I think they have seven guys. The playoffs are all about, do you have seven guys and do you have the top end guys that are going to be able to be difficult for teams to slow down? Kyrie is so difficult to slow down. Luca, maybe, you know, top three or four player in the NBA at slowing down. They have two guys that do that, and they have seven guys that fit around it. To me, they haven't played yet because of the Cleaver piece and because other guys have been in and out. But I think they have enough guys. We didn't even mention Grant Williams, who, who, who was in there as well. Or so they have Green. Jalen Green either. Josh Green. I think Josh Green. Josh, I'm sorry, Josh, Josh Green. Green. You didn't yeah, mention yeah. Josh Green either, right? Who had and 18 Josh last Green, night. Yeah. Right. So, so, the, so, yeah, I mean, they might be more than seven deep, but Part I hear what way. you're saying. You're checking off boxes of, like, things you need. Um, Derek Jones has been a great fit for them, man. You know, he just yep. he gives them he gives them the bouncy legs that they need. And, you know, his three-point shooting is streaky, but when he can make just a couple of game and it just changes the way you have to kind of defend them and rotate. This whole thing ultimately, ultimately is going to come down to the the rhythm between Luca and Kyrie when they play together and their ability to both be elite offensively where nobody gets too stagnant. And I think they're still figuring right. that out when Luka and Kyrie play together because Luka is still so ball dominant. That That's really, I think, what this whole thing is going to hinge on because Kyrie, there's a reason Kyrie you know, goes for 44 and 10 last night. He gets loose because it's his show, but it's right. not his show when Luka plays, and they, but they still they're have to be able to find a way to play with that kind of consistent rhythm and production. Let's see. Let's see. It's at least open in our eyes right now. That certainly last night did. I'm going to go ahead and buy the Maverick stock. And I hadn't even looked. Usually I like to look at the schedule. You bringing up that schedule, that really is tough, man. This stretch really is something. And I love that they play New Orleans twice over the weekend. I mean, I usually hate when they play twice. But in New Orleans for two games, New Orleans to me is one of the hottest teams in basketball. So if not the hottest. So that's a real challenge to go into the weekend. You're going to start off a tough stretch. Go out there. And by the way, Right, what, right there in the standings, right next to each other. So that's a game that has some purpose there because you lose both of those. You fall really far behind. You win both of them, and you overtake New Orleans at the sixth seed. So I like that they're matched up. I think we're going to learn a lot. I'm buying stock. All right, let's take a quick the break. Best, the best thing about it is there's a day in between those two games, so we won't have anybody right. you know that they're tired from back-to-backs, Adam. That's man, Legler, awesome. people don't know this. Legler's life is a back-to-back. -back. I'm, I'm telling you, man, the guy, he's, he's doing right. – uh, Reddick's pod, he's doing uh, sports right, center. You know what? You this is why right. Legler, no sympathy for back to backs. He did his no. whole life and chasing around a two year old. All right. So come on, <laughs> cut me a break. Yeah. All right. Let's take our break. On the other side, we're going to talk about which teams have been the happiest this season. 
what does that mean? It's not just necessarily the number one seeds. There's some other teams that have a case for being happy that are maybe in the middle of the pack. And then likewise, who are the saddest teams, the most disappointing teams, and what goes into that? I think there's a lot of conversation to spiral off of those. So we'll get to that and more on the other side. But first, I got to tell you about our presenting sponsor today. The NBA, it's in full sweep. Uh, you can get all of your action right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's tonight you could bet. Great game tonight. Nuggets, Pelicans, Nuggets coming off a very disappointing loss, and they have not been great at home lately, and the Pelicans have been on a roll. Very interesting game. We're going to talk about that one very briefly at the very end of the show. You can bet on that one, and whether you're right or wrong, you get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ALLNBA. New customers can bet $5, get $200 instantly, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crowd is yours. Uh, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And if over the weekend you are thinking of going and checking out a game in person in whatever city you are in, Go ahead and download the Game Time app and check it out. It's the best way to buy tickets. You can get last-minute deals, flash deals that give you a pop uh, notification on your phone so you can know when the price on a ticket you've been monitoring has dropped. And oftentimes, you go to the game, you park the car, you pay for parking. This is how confident you can be. You park the car, you pay for parking, you walk up to the stadium. It's 20 minutes before tip-off. And then you open up the game time app. Why? Because right before the game, tickets often drop and there's almost always tickets available. So you can be confident showing up to the game without a ticket, knowing you'll get one right as you walk into the game. Um, they also have deals on concerts and events. So if there are things going on in your city, go ahead and check out the game time app when you're looking for tickets. You might find a great deal there. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code ALLNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code ALLNBA for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Back here for segment two uh, of the All NBA show. We appreciate you guys, man. This show has really taken off over the last couple of weeks, and we appreciate all the people watching us live, making it part of your uh, weekly workflow. Maybe you're at work and you turn the show on on YouTube and watch along with us, or you are listening to your podcast as the show has really grown rapidly over the last month, and we appreciate your support. Legs, I'm always curious about what makes a team happy over the course. It's not always just wins. Sometimes it's winning the right way or doing things a certain way. I asked you to give me a list of teams that you thought uh, were the most pleased with themselves this season, and you came up with... So we're going to go in no particular order here. I just isn't ranking according to who's most happy. These are just five teams right. that kind of jumped out to me. So how do you want to do this? You want to go back and forth one at a time, or you just want me to go through my five? Give me your first one. Let's go one at a time. Yeah. The first one I'm going to go with is Oklahoma City Thunder. I, I, I think that goes without saying because Happiest. for, for variety, I'm, yeah, I'm going to rank it for you. Number one. Yeah, yeah. For, for a variety of reasons. Um, let's start with the fact that they absolutely – you know, hit a home run with Chet Holmgren. Let's start with that. They have yeah. it. They have a guy that is just ready-made impact player from day one, um, and their starting lineup has been so seamless in the way they've played together. They already knew they had it, like a superstar offensive player in Shea Gilgis Alexander, but now you're watching them have the sort of of belief and chemistry that this thing has taken off here a lot sooner than anybody could have predicted. Like, I don't know ultimately how this ends this year. I think they are a threat to be a second round or beyond team. I do think yeah. that they're a threat to do that, but look, it might be that they get into a best of seven and they have to play, you know, some, some you know, juggernaut in the second round. And maybe, maybe they get bounced and it's not the end of the year they want, but I think it's certainly the needle has been moved dramatically further than they thought it would be at this point. And most importantly, they've gotten it right with the players that they have. And Chet Holmgren top of the list. So how could you not be anything but thrilled right now to be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan? After the run they had with Durant, 
uh, and Westbrook and, you know, getting so close year after year after year to Durant leaves and Westbrook carries him by himself for a little bit. Then he leaves and you think, okay, after a run like that with two guys on that level, it's rebuild time. It didn't take long, man. And they're right back here at the near the top of the Western Conference with a team, a bunch of dudes in their 20s, early to mid 20s that are doing this every night. They're, they're I think, the most fun team right now in the league to watch. And, uh, Adam, I don't know how you can say anything other than this is an ex- absolutely euphoric fan base and organization right now. <laughs> it really is a 10 on the happy scale, right? A 10 out of 10. Yeah. Because you have – winning is obviously the most important thing. Like, you, it's hard to have fun when you're not winning. They're winning. Uh, you want the culture to be good. There are teams that are winning, but there's tension. And, you, you know, it feels like a little, um, you know, flimsy. This one, the culture is a 10 out of 10. Then there is, is there something new? Because sometimes winning can get stale. It's that Chet Holmgren, that's like a new present they unwrapped this year. Jalen Williams feels like a new present. Even though they saw him last year, he's gone to a new level. So you have the newness factor. And then there's no anxiety about the pressure to win right now. They want to win right now because they have an opportunity to. But if they don't win this year, they're building towards something and it just feels like there's nothing. So to me, they are easily the number one happiest team in the NBA. All right, who else you got? I'm going with Indiana. Uh, you know, again, winning certainly matters. 22 and 15. They had that great run in the in-season tournament that kind of yeah. raised awareness about what this team is capable of. It certainly raised awareness yeah. about the level that Tyrese Halliburton is on right now and how transcendent he is as your as your best player and your playmaker and how he makes everybody better. Um, and then they had a little bit of a lull, but now they've they've rebounded, man, and they're and they're just they're they're yep. unstoppable some nights with their pace and their shooting. And so I'm looking now, he's out right now, and it, it, it certainly avoided something that could have been a lot worse when you looked at the way he fell. And it's They're a hamstring strain. Yeah, two, three weeks probably, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. We'll see. If it lingers, they might hold him out till after the All-Star break. We're going to have to wait and see how long this lasts with him. But – Look, they're still able to to win right now without him. They've got a very difficult stretch coming up. They're going on a long road trip right now, um, and they've yeah. got a lot of tough Ooh, games yep. when they get back from that at home. So this is a really difficult stretch without Halliburton. But I think all things considered, Adam, when you look at the young talent on this team, particularly what Halliburton has become and how difficult their style is to guard, I think Indiana's pretty thrilled with their They're at fourth in the Eastern Conference. Nobody saw that before the year. All of the things we just said about the Thunder apply to the Pacers just at a little bit of a reduced level, right? They're not the one seed. Yeah. They're not, you know, that's it. But all of this stuff is true. Great culture, new presence being unwrapped and Halliburton going to this new level. So all that stuff is true. All right, who else? Boston. How can you not How can you not include Boston, man? You look at – this was a team that's close every year. Their fan base is pretty much always happy because they're in the hunt. They, they've been starting to get a little bit anxious. They're like, when's this going to happen? When's the breakthrough? We yeah. finally get this thing across the finish line in the Jason Tatum era. You go out and you had Kristaps Porzingis. You had Drew Holiday, man. This is the best team in the NBA. Yeah. I believe right now they're so deep. They're so good on both ends when they need to be. You still get to watch Tatum do his thing every single night. So I'm going with Boston because they have now added enough that they have absolutely the expectation to win it this year to where it will be a disappointment if they don't. And I don't know that I have felt that way about them yet until this year. They have enough new because I do think there can be some, they're an example of a team that has been good for long enough that it can get stale. But the additions of Drew Holiday and Chris Stapps Porzingis have given it a feel of newness. It's the same team, but it's new pieces and, and, and something that makes them new. So I think that's part of what has made it so fun. Now, I will say last night's beatdown is enough to lower them like on a scale of one to a hundred it knocks them down like five spots yeah. to me you know that's yeah. actually a big hit when you go to who's probably your top rival in the conference and you're just so blown out but um let's not get too recency bias here um all right who else is on the list i gotta go with orlando uh this is there's no one could have seen this coming five games over 500 and they dropped a little bit in the standings they were basically in the top three for a long time they're eighth right now yeah. but they're still five games over 500 and more importantly, I think, like we talked about with OKC, like we talked about with Indiana, you can say the same thing about Orlando. Paolo Bancaro is going to is a star. He's going to be a perennial all-star in this league. He is a guy that you can build your team around. Um, Franz Wagner, I think, is, is a better offensive player um, as a guy that you could put the ball in his hands to go get something to create than I thought he would be. And looking at the roster going into the year, we had some fun with this start of the year. Like, when is it going to, you know, the, the floor going to fall out from this team? And it hasn't, man. They're five games over 500. We're almost at the midway point of the season. And they've got 
guys on their roster now that you look at and say, wow, they're they're better offensive players than I thought they could be at this level. And in the case of Ben Carroll, he got there quickly. So I think the Magic, how can you not be thrilled if you're the Magic? I didn't think that team would be five games over 500. I mean, I thought they could be five or to, to eight games under 500 at this point going into the season. Of the five teams you sent me, because I know the ne- the last one on your list, of the five you sent me, Orlando is the team that I, I think is most likely to fall off of this. If it we're at the halfway point of the season, basically, if we did this again at the very end going into the playoffs, I, Orlando to me is the most likely to fall out. And right now, Franz Wagner's out. I don't know. I should have looked up what, what his return date is, if it looks like he's on the horizon or if it's going to be a little bit longer. But they just went on that West Coast road trip where they dropped from, like you said, fourth to all the way down now, I think, to sixth or seventh. And... They have another road trip immediately coming up right now at Miami, at Oklahoma City, at New York, at Atlanta before getting home to Philadelphia, Miami, Cleveland. That's an incredibly tough stretch. So they're a team to me that I look at right now and see they just have kind of fallen because they hit a tough patch and it keeps going. So I am a little concerned with them that they might have a really rough January and will fall out of this ranking even that quick. Real, All right, real last- quick. One last real quick note on them, just to just to put in perspective for people that maybe you don't pay attention to on a daily basis like we do. Right now, there's five teams separated by a game in the loss column yep. in the Eastern yep. Conference, and that's going to be a bunch of group teams all year are going to be lumped together. Indiana, Cleveland, the Knicks, the Heat. I don't know if the Magic can quite stay and hang with those four teams, but it's yep. going to be crowded right there. So they're in eighth right now. They are one game out of the four spot. I'll tell you what, a month ago, I did not think the first round in the Eastern Conference was going to be too compelling. I think it will be now. The Knicks with the trade, they they go up a level. And then you're just talking about like likely going on the road in the first round, Miami, Orlando, Indiana. Those teams can play spoiler. Like they have something to them. Uh, And then Cleveland there as well. So those are, that's interesting. All right. The last happy team. Philadelphia. I know. I just know because I look. This is my closest group of friends. I got a bunch of hoop heads in Philly. All my boys. I'm talking to them on a daily basis about this team, and that's my greatest gauge for the fan base and what they're watching because they absolutely don't miss a game. Uh, these guys that I know, and, and just I just know from being in that market so long, they are thrilled with the way the Sixers look. Now, look, and beads banged up a little bit right now, and that that's always raises concerns. Swelling in the knee. Right. It's the last thing you want to hear. Like, cause yep. especially with the year issues he's had going into the postseason when he's never healthy. Um, but I, it's because they got out from under the cloud of James Harden. They got out from under the cloud of Ben Simmons, um, the, the Markel Fultz, like the last three guys that played point guard for this team. And think about what I'm talking about, the issues that all three of those guys had. And now you've got this, this guy that plays with a smile on his face and a bounce in his step and has complete faith and trust from Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. He's going to be an all-star this year. Um, they're just fun to watch, and it looks like – and Tobias Harris has had a rejuvenation offensively. They're just a really fun team to watch and a more believable threat to me uh, when I see this team play. And Embiid, at an, at a, at an MVP level prior to, the, to this injury, let's see how long he's going to be out. But I think he still would be the front runner if they voted today. He would be the front runner, and yet he's not on DraftKings Sportsbook. And that was my first indicator that maybe this injury is something more because he was very clearly playing at the MVP, you know, the best player, best numbers. Yeah. But this injury now, Ramona Shelburne had a report, I think yesterday or the day before, that said it's the same injury as the playoffs last year and typically takes four mo- four weeks to recover from. And you hear that and think, well, man, if the 76ers have to go another two or three weeks without Joel Embiid, you know, that's a majority year. See, so you're starting to talk about the all-star break before he returns. So if that is the case, I that's why I would have taken him off this list. They were that until about a week and a half ago. But now they've dropped three in a row, uh, four of their last five, and it just looks like they might be without a beat for a while. I would have replaced them with the Minnesota Timberwolves, who, to me, the number one seed in the West, they were not necessarily expecting to be the one seed in the West and the fact that they're there. Um, to me, that's that's the team that I would have rounded out my top five. I think the rest of them, I, I probably would have had the exact same. Let me see if I had a note differently. Um, nope, that was it. That was what I had. So we had the same guys except for that last one. All right, on the flip side, those are the happy teams. Who are the saddest teams this year, Legs? Well, I'm going to start with the Golden State Warriors. Um, it just oh. things aren't going well, man. It's been a rough ride, and, and it's it's a, a, obviously a combination of a bunch of stuff. Guys not playing well. The Clay Thompson struggles. Wiggins has struggled. Injuries have piled up. Chris Paul's hurt again. Um, then, of course, you had all the stuff with Draymond Green, multiple multiple suspensions. Um, he's about set to join the team again. 
and you know Steve Kerr making comments that they've lost their belief, they've lost their confidence. This is a team and an organization that is so used to winning. That fan base is still going to show up. They think they got 499 consecutive sellouts. They're going to sell out every night as long as Steph Curry's in uniform and maybe beyond. I played there on a bad Golden State Warriors team and we were selling out. They just love they love their team. They're going to stay behind them. So the fan base is going to I think stay optimistic, but internally I think as well, I'm looking more that they just, this has been a really, really rough ride for them and pretty miserable. Um, and I don't know exactly how this is going to turn around. A lot of things have to happen at the same time, Adam, for, I think for this to be a team we consider again as a legitimate threat. Um, to me, they might even be number one, which is crazy because yeah. we have a team that set the losing streak in the NBA history, yeah. but yet the end of the empire is always tough. That's what they're going through. And to me, they, we were going to ask if the Lakers are past the point of return. We'll have to save that for another day. It probably deserves a broader conversation. But the Warriors, to me, are definitely past the point of no return to where now you're at those uncomfortable conversations. Um, all right, who else? I got to go with Memphis. I mean, you know, yeah. you knew you were going to start the year without John Morant for 25 games, and, and they weren't able to really win without him. Nope. But then on top of it, now he comes back. They go six and three. And, and you know, you and I had talked about, man, is there enough time? How deep was this hole they dug? And, you know, he hits a game winner his first night. And you're going, wow, this is how special this guy is. And now out for the year. Um, so, you know, where's the hope going to come from? Because not only are you gonna not going to be able to win games, and I think there's, there's no question you're no, no longer going to be in the mix in the West in the playoffs. But you're also losing the guy that, you know, you're paying box office to see every night. This is the guy right. that brings that level of adrenaline as a fan and as an analyst. I want to watch this team because I'm going to see something tonight. John Morant's going to make me jump out of my seat doing something. That's taken away, too. So you're not going to win, and you don't even have the excitement factor to go with it. So I, I, I'd have to go with Memphis. They're an easy one. They, they, I mean, there's a couple too. When we go through this list, these teams are all like almost a 10 out of 10 on the misery scale, and they're certainly right there. They had hopes for their season, then John Morant suspended, then he gets hurt. I was just all bad all around. Now you're playing the lottery game and looking at the lottery. By the way, Legs, they're a good team. It's rare that a good team is in the lottery, you know, that, that is that high in the lottery. They, this might be one of those things where they just have to suffer through one terrible year. You end up getting a good piece. Or you get a high pick that you could trade for another ready-to-go piece. So this might be a painful year that ends up paying off for Memphis in the long run. Um, all right, who else? You got to go with the Pistons. I mean, you know, yeah, nobody had serious, nobody had high expectations for them going in. But come on, man, to this level, yeah. you know, the historic losing streak. And then they, they finally win a game, beat Toronto. And you know what they've done since then? They've lost six straight, including getting smoked by the Spurs, another team that's like, got like yeah. six wins. And, and in five of those six games, Adam, they've given up more than 130 points. They gave up 154 to Utah um, in overtime. Uh, so now they're back on a six-game losing streak. And um, they've got some pretty brutal games coming up with Minnesota, the Bucks, a couple of times, you know. Um, so it's not going to get better. And, and they're going to be in the mix, I think, now. We're threatening the all-time worst record in NBA history. That's just a terrible thing for athletes to go through. The city, the fan base, Monty Williams, you name it. This is as sad as it gets. And you know what? I mean, they're on another losing streak. So now, now you look at it and go, all right, they've lost six in a row. They've got a little momentum on another streak here. You never want to be part of that. I will say the best thing about the Pistons, they have a player with the single best nickname in all of the NBA, Isaiah Stewart. Beef Stew. I love that nickname. It fits him perfectly. That is a great uh, one. All right. Who else? And now it's lunchtime. You made me hungry by saying that. Uh, uh, so next, it's going to have to be Brooklyn. We just talked about their yeah, beginning. You played last night. I, you know, I just think, you know, you went 45 games a year ago, and this is the post apocalyptic, you know, after Durant Harden and Kyrie blew that up. And you're like, where are we now? You make the trade, you bring in some young, young talent, built the team around Mikhail Bridges. You, you win 45 games. Okay, okay, man, this this might actually work. And then you come up and you know you're you're five games under five hundred or whatever it is, seven games under five hundred at this to this point in the year, and you're starting to realize that man, that they just don't have enough to compete. And the East is better than we probably thought. And so where does that leave the Brooklyn Nets going forward? And you know, what exactly are they going to be? If Mikael Bridges is your best player offensively, I think that's a problem for them. So I don't and, and I'll say this also, Adam. Some of this I used as a, as a gauge. Like I'm out all over the place all the time and people are coming up to you. They want to have conversations about their team. I've been shocked how many people 
have come up to me, man, what's up with my nets, man? What's up with my nets? So like the misery factor from just the yeah. average guy on the street that wants to talk hoops. I've heard a lot of negative nets talk. It kind of tells me that you know, the mindset around this team. They were a good story for a minute there and things have fallen off. Uh, last one. Uh, I'm going with Charlotte, man. You know, you can't, you can't predict that Charlotte with their roster um, looking here with eight wins. I mean, eight and 27, 35 games in it. And I'm, honestly, the biggest reason for that is, is Lamella Ball. Um, you know, he's one of the most entertaining players in the league. He's a guy that makes everybody better. There's only a few players in the league that can make the type of passes that he can make um, from different angles and different parts of the court. Um, his vision is just, you know, incredible. And he also can, can give you 30 on any given night. He's so fun to watch, and he makes guys better. So they, they go hand in hand. He hasn't been there, and now the Hornets are 8-27, and, and their roster is better than This isn't like this is a bunch of young guys where you go, hey, let's just take our lumps and let's right. see what we have. No, you got some veterans on this team that have been around that are at the point of their careers where it's not going to get better for them in terms of their production or their health. So where does that leave Charlotte at the end of all of this? Just an absolutely miserable season for them. I think that's a fair one. I didn't have them on my list. They've only won one game in a month. And that was against wow. Sacramento. In Sacramento, by the way, on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. What a weird profile that they lost 14 games in a row other than the one win that they got on the second night of a back-to-back -back and one of the toughest places to get a win. So go figure. To me, I, I had all the same the first three except for my last two were Wizards, who are a team that is neither going anywhere or – you know, playing well at the moment, and then the Lakers. I think the Lakers are in misery right now because unlike a lot of the teams we mentioned, the Lakers believe themselves to be a contender, and they currently just look dispirited. The coach looks like he's lost the locker room, which is always a tough place to be, um, and they just don't feel like a team that's one trade away, which the Lakers, I think, always view themselves as really good, but one trade. If we nail that deadline deal, then all of a sudden we vault ourselves. I don't see a single deal that makes them a contender yeah. personally. And that's a tough place for them to be. Well, um, here's what I'll say real quick just about those two teams. For the Lakers, you're right. I mean, look, you've got LeBron and AD. You know, you expect to co compete and contend. But I'll say this. You know, when you have a championship that recently, it's still kind of pacifying your fan base to a certain extent. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just won one less than four years ago. So, And, and I do think, I do think there, there will be a run in the Lakers at some point, I believe. Uh, and, but okay. the Wizards, the reason I didn't put the Wizards in there, I swear when I watch them play sometimes, I just think, I don't know how much they care. I don't know how <laughs> much they really care. So, like, how sad are they? Like, is Jordan, is Jordan Poole losing Happy as a clam, actually, yeah. Is Jordan Poole losing sleep over these losses mounting up? Like, I don't know, man. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. So, I just don't – you know, I feel terrible for Wes Unsell Jr. for sure, and I played there for four years, and I, I feel bad for the fan base – um, particularly when the commanders are this bad. So, it's, yeah, you feel bad in general, but I'm talking about from the player's perspective, man. I don't know right. that any of these guys are, like, having anxiety over this stuff. To your point about the Lakers, they did have a championship, but they did not have a parade. So something to consider. Um, the last, as we do every single Friday on this show, we look back at the week in a segment sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook called Who Won the Week? Who won the week presented by DraftKings Sportsbook? Don't forget, use promo code ALLNBA. Legs, I'm going to give you a handful of nominees, and then I know who your pick is going to be. The Chicago Bulls this week. Uh, Zach Levine returned to the lineup, and they went 3-0. They beat the Houston Rockets, which was a good win, and they beat the Charlotte Hornets twice. Bad wins, but whatever. You'll take them. They played well before Zach Levine got back, and then he comes back and he fits in. It's kind of a good story. I think that they're certainly a candidate. You got the Dallas Mavericks, who went 3-1 and one with wins over the Knicks and the Timberwolves. Two of those came without Luka Doncic. That's very impressive. And the Mavs, as we talked about earlier, on an upswing. And then the Pelicans got blowout wins in Sacramento and Golden State. They go on that little two, uh, mini two-game uh, swing, and they pick up both wins there. They're in Denver tonight. They're looking like the best team in basketball over the last, I don't know, week or so. Who do you got? I'm going with Kyrie Irving, and I, you know, I, I always judge this segment based on the last time we did it, which was last Friday. So starting that right. night, uh, he, he, they got a win. So they're three and one. Kyrie Irving averaging 34 points a game in the last four. You know, getting a great win against the Knicks when, with Lucas sitting down. Um, he is rolling right now. I mean, and it's it's not like we ever forget how great Kyrie Irving is offensively, how special and how talented he is. 
Um, but when he goes on these kind of runs, when he gets the opportunity to kind of just go get loose and go nuts, he's just so fun to watch. Um, and so, look, they're winning and you're putting up massive numbers. Uh, that, I'm going to go with Kyrie Irving. Great week. 34 points a game. 52-53-90 split. So 50-50-90. Actually, better than 50-50-90 splits over a four-game sample size is great. And then the other stuff is what stands out, too. Seven rebounds, six assists, three steals, one and a half blocks. Like, I know it's yeah. only a four-game sample size, but that's a heck of a stat line when you're also getting... I mean, Kyrie Irving had five block shots in four games this last week that for at the guard spot. Um, that's pretty impressive. He looked incredible. I think he is... I, if I were voting, I would also have him as who won the week. Let us know in the comments. Let us know on social media who you guys thought won the week. Legs, this is what we do, man. They handed us lemons. We made some lemonade. That's it, man. You do what you have to. Hey, have a great weekend, and I can't wait to get back home with you on Monday. Everybody, thanks so much for tuning in all week. You have a great weekend as well. Do us a favor. Hit a like button on the way out, and we'll do this again next week.